We do have a handout. Um, who is it? Tom? 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 I don't see Tom. Tom? 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 All right, we have a handout. Did we get that out? Anybody? Do you have a handout with you? No? Yes? No. All right, I gave them to Tom. Oh, there he is. There he is. He might have had to made more copies. All right, so we're going to try to uh, get this handout to you, and then we'll start. Let's see how we're doing. We close? Front? Front? Back now? All right. Raise your hand if you need a handout. We have a couple more. Oh, right over here. We got two over here. They're coming up. They're coming up. Coming, coming towards you. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you, men, for helping me out. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 7. And I'm going to read two other passages that will go along with our lesson. And before we do, I wanted to mention that uh, we do have a book table. So I'm, I represent, uh, I'm the director of Independent Baptist Seminary. I was here in January and uh, we just finished one year. Praise the Lord. First year's done. <laughs> Woo. And uh, God bless. We had a, a good year as we started Independent Baptist Seminary, and then we're just getting ready. In fact, uh, Tuesday we start live classes. Um, to, we uh, teach live Tuesday and Thursday nights. And then we also, the other thing that we do is we do uh, teaching in modules. And, and so for that, if you're wondering what a seminary is, seminary is graduate uh, level studies for those uh, for most, it's those in ministry uh, that have gotten a bachelor's degree and want to further their education. But what we're trying to do is develop it to where it can be distant, uh, and there's different ways you can do it. So we teach live, we record that, but then the other thing we do is uh, we do modules. In fact, your pastor, if Lord willing, if everything goes well, Pastor Bishop will be coming over in a couple of weeks because we fly a professor in. And we'll do uh, three or four days of teaching. So we're flying a professor in. Uh, Dr. David Sorensen will be coming in in September. And he'll be teaching advanced bibliology. So it's more on uh, different aspects of the King James Version. Uh, and so uh, there's, there's an attack. Um, there's another attack in the last year or so. There's been a really strong attack on the King James. Trying uh, to help guys um, get some get some, I'd say, advanced training on understanding, all right, so what's the big deal about the, the King James? Why is, it, uh, why is it important to understand what we have as far as that foundation? So sometimes we fly a guy in and a, like a, a pastor can come for a couple of days. 
They may not be able to take a whole semester off, but they can take three or four days off and come and start working on a degree. So we do that. Next year, actually, we have five modules scheduled. We have two. We normally always do some in Dover, so we have two scheduled in uh, Dover in March and September, and then we have one in May in Iowa. I have one in June in Wisconsin, and we actually have one here next year in November. Um, it'll be uh, on uh, the life of Christ, the life of Christ part two. So if you could be praying for us, we also have some new material. Um, I have one new book that came out um, as far as we redid it uh, on the Bible. And then we also have some new sermon series. We have one uh, that um, the president of the seminary is Pastor Moore. He's the pastor of Capital Baptist Church. And so he has a series on spiritual depression, uh, trying to understand that. Uh, a biblical analysis of that, and then also on Galatians, as far as the fruit of the Spirit, uh, understanding what the fruit of the Spirit is. So uh, in between uh, Sunday school, the main service, after the main service, and then this evening we will be here, stop by, see us. We also have candy, all right? And if I, if I have time this afternoon, I'll get Jolly Ranchers, too, for tonight, all right? So um, I'm going to read Matthew 23 and verse 11, and then we'll get into the lesson for this morning. Matthew twenty three eleven says this, but he, uh, I'll back up a little bit in verse 10, neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Another passage that helps us with the lesson that we're talking about is found in John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is um, when Christ was having basically establishing uh, the communion service for the church. And Jesus comes with his disciples. And it says in verse 4 that, well, verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. So that text specifically is referenced later in the book of Peter. And this act was an act of a servant where they would lay aside their basically normal garb and they would put on the garb of a servant. A servant. And Jesus did that. Think of our Savior and most in studying our theology, we know that Jesus on the earth was all God and all man. So here's God laying aside that and saying, I'm a servant. And so what does he do? After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. And we know where Peter kind of stops him and says, don't do this. And then notice what Jesus, Simon Peter, saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my feet. But this, uh, Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not to save wash his feet, but is clean every way, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto him, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and say ye well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash 
one another's feet. So then we come to our text in Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 7. So let's read Mark chapter 2 first. Mark chapter 2. This is the story of Jesus in Capernaum. So in studying the life of Christ, there are two regions in Jerusalem or in Israel. You have the lower section, which is Judea. And when you see Judea, that is the southern region of Israel. And the capital city would be Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was higher than any place in Judea. So always, when you were going to Jerusalem, you'll always see this in Scripture. They talk about going up because you were always going up to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is basically the headquarters. It's where Herod's temple is. It's where the, the hub of the religious sect is. But then Jesus, what he had a lot of his ministry was up in Galilee. So Galilee is north. It's on the, Gal- the Sea of Galilee. And, but Jesus, you'll notice in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, he's in a city called Capernaum. But that's not where Jesus was from. Where was Jesus from? Nazareth. So Nazareth is where Jesus is from, but yet he's not basing out of there. Part of it is, what did Nazareth do to Jesus? All right. They despised him. They said, we don't want you. In fact, they tried to kill him. So Jesus based in Galilee in a place called Capernaum. So a lot of times you'll see Jesus basing out of this city called Capernaum. And that's in chapter 2 and verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him. Notice they. So we don't really know who this is, but... Here's some people. They come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. So then let's go to Mark chapter 7. So Mark chapter 2, we see the story of a man that could not walk and he was born of four. And you see, it, it took a little effort for them to get to Jesus. Then we get to Mark chapter 7, and we're going to be looking specifically at verse 32. Mark chapter 7 and verse 32. Notice what it says in the text here. I'm going to start in verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came into or unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they, here's that they, we don't know necessarily who it is, but it's a group of people. They bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. So this morning in our Sunday school hour, This is what I want us to consider. So you notice that I I read Matthew 23. Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them who's going to be the greatest. The greatest among the disciples is going to be who? The servant. The servant. That is not what we consider 
like in society. Remember, a lot of times in Scripture, the world and God's world are very opposite. They don't function the same. So, for instance, in the world and religion as far as salvation, what do you see with every other religion except for the true religion, and that is salvation through Christ? What do you see with religion? What do you have to do to get to heaven? You got to work. You got to earn it. All right. You got to do some good deeds. You got to give enough money to the church. You got and and really, I mean, whoever came up with religion, it's a pretty good idea because if I was in charge of religion, I want you to give me all kinds of money so that you could. You know, I don't care what you know what I could make up something, but give me a lot of money and yeah, you're going to get better. All right. If you've ever read, I've done um, a number of books and study on Scientology. Now, whoever. Uh, that guy, I know he's a, a smart man, but he's also a smart man and a con artist because basically the way you mo- move up in Scientology is give more millions. All right. Now, that's a brilliant idea if you're on this earth, because one guy gets a lot of money and everybody else. You're like, you know what? Not enough. Nah, give me more. All right? <laughs> Pretty good idea. But that's the world's idea. The world's idea as far as how do we get to heaven? We got to work. We got to earn it somehow. Sounds pretty good. But God's idea, a lot of times, is opposite. So what's opposite? You know what you you can do to get to heaven? You can do nothing. Nothing. Except trust in what's already done by Christ. Like, wait a minute. You know, so what do you mean? Well, I got to admit I'm a sinner. I don't like doing that. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say that I'm no good. Yes. No, wait, I, I don't like that. And then I've got to humble myself before God. See, that's a little opposite. I want to be recognized. I want to say I did something. But actually, in salvation, I can't do anything. So when it comes to the world and God, a lot of times you see opposites. So when it comes to this idea of us progressing in the the Christian world, so how can I climb the spiritual ladder of success? You know what the Bible says? Be the lowest. Be the lowest. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about developing a servant's heart. You know what a church should be? Known for a church should be filled with a bunch of humble servants. That's what makes it a very strong church is a church that has humble servants. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was interviewed near the close of his life. And this is what he said. He said, God had all there was of me. There have been others who had greater plans greater opportunities than I and greater talents than I. But from the day I got a vision of what God could do, I made up my mind that God would have all there is of William Booth. You know what? That's what we should have as a prayer. There might be people that are better than us, have more talent. They may have a lot more to offer. But you know what? Some of it is they don't give it all to God. And a servant of God is willing to say, God, whatever you need, whatever you desire, 
And so in our text here, in your handout, I believe I have five things that we find from these two examples in Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 7. So there's five things that will help us have a servant's heart. So first of all, we find this in the story in Mark chapter 2. So in Mark chapter 2, what do we find with the men... All right, so I'm going to use the term men. It could, you know, it could be women, but uh, uh, it seems that it's four. Uh, it's born of four, so it's four guys that are bringing a guy that can't walk. But what do they find? They're carrying him, and then they find that they can't get to Jesus because of the press. So they go up on the roof, and what does it say? The roof's still there. So is that an obstacle? Yes. So what do they do to the roof? They rip it up. And then they lower them down. So you see that. And then in Mark chapter 7 and verse 32, they bring unto him one that was deaf. So obviously there's some effort because here was a man that was deaf and couldn't speak. So he's deaf and dumb. And he cannot on his own get to Jesus. So these guys bring him to Jesus. So the first thing if I'm going to have a servant's heart, is I have to learn to sweat. S-W-E-A-T, not sweet, all right, but sweat. They bring. You know, bringing or working for the Lord is not going to require a small effort sometimes. Let's say at your church, okay, at the church, and I know I, I've been here enough, I've known Pastor Bishop now, I think for Close to 20 years. Close to 20 years we've known each other. Um, and we've known of, uh, you know, our, our ministries and the different things we do. And you know what I know about Pastor Bishop? He can work. And you know what? Uh, you know what the, the church here, every once in a while, guess what you have to do? You have to work. You have to, let's say that it's, it's a bathroom that has to be remodeled. Or it's something else that has to be done. Or somebody has to come and mow the grass. Or somebody has to go and do this. Or something at the church needs to be done. And even now you're doing, uh, they were announcing uh, for this quarter or this month, there's a whole bunch of tracks out there. And you have a, a goal of setting out so many tracks. You know what that takes? Work. It takes sweat. Now, what's interesting in the world, we understand that it takes work to get something done. Oh, go out into the corporate world and you say, and in fact, we laugh about it. I remember when um, I would preach to young people, I called it the Paris Hilton syndrome. And the Paris Hilton syndrome was this. You know what? Basically, you demanded, you sat there all prim and, uh, like a, a little priss. And you uh, and you crabbed about everything and your hand was on your hip and you're like, hey, give me this food. Give me this right now. And you're yelling and screaming. And guess what? Because everything was demand because everything was handed to you. But guess what? That's not normal, even in the world, even in the corporate world. What do they expect? You start at the bottom and work your way up. But as Christians, Guess what we should be willing to do? Work. Sweat. And that's what it takes. And according to Scripture, we never get to the place, if I want to advance in the Christian life, guess what? Serve more. That's what the Bible says. 
Well, wait a minute. Do I get to a place that basically I sit back and I do nada, nothing? No, you're not developing a servant's heart. A servant says, what do you need done? Pastor, what, what, what needs to be done? Or, do I need to mop? Do I, oh, this needs to be redone? Yeah, let's do it. Let's get this done. It's sweat. So let me give you a couple ideas under the idea of sweat or this developing a servant's heart. I have to sweat. That means there's going to be some effort required. First of all, when I serve Christ, realize there's going to be strenuous days of grueling service. You know that sometimes it's just flat out hard. There are times. Um, last week, I'm, one of the things that I'm doing, okay, uh, so so I have I have advanced degrees. All right, I have a number of advanced degrees, and I'm actually getting another advanced degrees. And so my expertise basically is theology and studying uh, ministry. But you know what? As uh, I got there at Capitol. Uh, a few months before I got there, they had bought an old farmhouse. And when we got there, we went over and uh, looked it through. And I was talking with the pastor and um, and he was like, hey, so here's this house. We have it. He said, I had no idea why we were buying it. And so we both prayed about it. And he was like, well, maybe it's because you were coming here. and But it needs to be rebuilt. I was like, all right, let's do it. So guess what? Last week, I was helping build a garage. Now, I can tell you that's not in my normal expertise. You know what I mean? Uh, making outlines like this coming Thursday, I'm developing a class on hamartiology, which is the theology of sin. I'm right there. But you know what? Building a garage? I'm not right there. But guess what? It needs to be done. It needs to be done. Work. It's sweat. It's, it's that hard work that we've got to do. Sometimes it's not necessarily, you know, like, oh, you know what? If you would let me teach Sunday school, I'm available. But what about vacuuming the floor? Well, you know how long I've been here? Yeah. And if you want to get better, serve. All right, that's what you need to do. It's, and sometimes it's grueling. I was working last week and it was just, man, I'm just tired. It gets long. You're it's just long days. But that's what it takes sometimes. It's grueling. Serving Christ also, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna sweat, if I'm gonna develop a servant's heart as far as working for the Lord, it's not a punch clock. Now, most of us understand this with the pastor. Now tell me, so normally, let's say a pastor's hours is gonna be nine to five. So do you think heartaches, or not heartaches, or heart attacks, are they scheduled normally? You're like, hey, yeah, I'd like mine Tuesday at noon. All right? And so you, um, so you like, hey, pastor, next, in two weeks, uh, are you open on September 27th? Because at noon, I'm going to have a heart attack. Like, oh, yeah, I'll schedule that right in. I'll try to be there. Like, normally it doesn't. All right, so when it comes to the pastor, that heart attack comes or something occurs. Man, you're on the phone. You're like, hey, can you come and pray with me? Nope. Yeah, it's after five. Sorry. Can't do it. I'm just sitting down for dinner. Now, what would you say? What kind of servant is he? But what about you? 
right, the pastor needs something done or the church needs something done. Like, wait a minute. That's kind of outside of my comfort zone. Because you know what? Serving Christ sometimes, it's not necessarily in a punch clock. So if we're going to serve the Lord, we need to understand that we need to be willing to fulfill the duty. And there's a great passage in the Gospels that tells us that when we have done just that which is our duty, what does the Bible say we are? Unprofitable servants. You know, sometimes we come in and we want to say, man, look at all I've done. And the Bible says, well, that's just your duty. And you're an unprofitable servant. We want accolades. You know what is required for us more than anything as far as a servant of the Lord? It's humility. It's humbleness. So the first thing that we see in developing a servant's heart, that first S is sweat. S-W-E. E-A-T. So then the second thing. So remember the story of the four men that are carrying. And then we have in Mark chapter seven, a few guys that are bringing a man that has an impediment of speech. All right. He can't speak. He's he's also deaf. So what does the Bible tell us uh, or help us as far as developing a servant's heart? The second word is sacrifice, sacrifice. They Bring a bring it's sacrifice. So I'm going to have to sweat. That means work. I'm also going to have to sacrifice. And so under that, I believe I list out five things that we have to be willing to sacrifice. So I'll list them out for you. All right. So underneath that blank sacrifice, right? That's the word sacrifice underneath that. There's five blanks. Let's list them out. So I have to be willing to sacrifice time. I have to be willing to sacrifice time. I have to be willing to sacrifice energy. I have to be willing to sacrifice money. I have to be willing to sacrifice talent. And then I have to be willing to sacrifice plans. So do we find this in Scripture borne out to us? Yes. A great passage to consider when we're, con- we're, we're thinking about this idea of sacrifice is Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. So Romans 12, 1 tells us that, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is what? You're reasonable. It just makes horse sense. That's what it makes. It just makes sense that when we consider what we have been given from God as far as salvation, when we couldn't, we couldn't earn it, we can't do anything for it, and yet it's given to us freely. It just makes sense that when God saves my soul, that I'm willing to sacrifice for him. And it's not a dead sacrifice. Normally, sacrifices, when you consider the Old Testament and the sacrificial system, they weren't live sacrifices. They were dead sacrifices. But God says, you know what? I don't want a dead sacrifice. I want a living sacrifice. And the idea is our sacrifice is something that is ongoing, too. It's not a one-time thing. You know, a dead sacrifice couldn't give again. But a living sacrifice can give over and over. And that's a blessing. 
So let's think about these couple of things. The first one is the sacrifice of time. Now, those of you that are married or those of you that have families, you know that a sacrifice of time is something that is valuable. You know, spending time with your family, giving of yourself in that way, sacrifice of time. Well, God wants that from us. Giving of yourself, and that is daily in our walk with the Lord, daily and uh, giving the gospel out to others, daily and and building and, and giving things to God and giving things to the church. That some of that is time. Then energy. Does it take energy? It takes energy to uh, build something. It takes energy to do things. That's a sacrifice of time and energy, but then a sacrifice of money. So what does it take for a building to exist? You know, I like walking, especially on a... You know, I'm realizing this. You know, I, I've lived in the Midwest and Indiana and Ohio basically all my life for 50, 50 years. And so then I come to the mid-Atlantic states. You know, here I am in Dover in July and September. I preached a, a teen camp in the end of July. And I'm telling you, I realized that it is sweaty and hot. And, I mean, I had fans, I think, surrounding the pulpit because we were preaching outdoors. I couldn't get enough air on me. You know, I enjoy walking into an auditorium and there's air conditioning. But air conditioning isn't free. Buildings aren't free. All right? And the pastor, according to the book of Corinthians, you know what? The pastor should be paid. All right? The pastor should be paid. And, and the Bible specifically says he's worthy of double honor. We take care of our pastor. We take care of him very well. Why? Because he's worthy of it. It's, but it takes money. So I'm sacrificing money. I sacrifice time, energy, money, and then talent. So I put that down, and you may say, that's an odd one. How does one sacrifice their talents? Well, some of us, we give to a lot of other things as far as our talents we put a lot of energy, if you work in the corporate world or you work in the business world, which most I would think do, you, you're investing your talent, whether it's organizational or administration or different things like that, serving, you invest that talent into other people. Why aren't we doing that at church? If I can play an instrument or if I can sing or if I can do something out in the world, why am I not doing it for God? Because I want to give that to God. Then sacrifice of plans. No, this is one that I don't like myself. I like things planned out. All right, there are some people, and I, I, want, I, I like things planned out. I like things scheduled. But you know, God has a right to come in and say, hey, I'm redirecting your plans. He, he has the right to do that. Sacrifice of plan. So, if I'm going to have a servant's heart, what do I got to do? Got to be willing to sweat. I've got to be willing to sacrifice. Look at third. So the third thing is I've got to develop sympathy. Sympathy. So what do we see with these men in Mark chapter 2 and Mark chapter 7? What did they do? They had compassion for a man that couldn't walk. They had compassion for a man that couldn't speak and he couldn't hear. And so they had compassion for other people. 
So let me ask you. I know we get irritated at the world. Man, all you got to do is turn on the news and man, you're ready to throw something at it. All right, you read the newspaper and burn it. All right, or if you're reading it on your iPad, I'd recommend not throwing that. All right. But here you are, you're getting irritated and you say, Matt, those people are acting like the devil. But does that shock you? That people that are in the world who has the father, as we know biblically, their father is the devil, act like their father? But do you have compassion for them? You know what they need? Christ. That's what they need. Do we have sympathy for them? So let's say that, man, you're having a, a special day or just, can you just... Talk to them at work and say, hey, have you ever thought about Christ? They're like, oh, well, they're going to get mad. I understand it. They may get mad. But at some point, will there be a crisis in their life? Yes, you know that. And maybe they'll remember your conversation. I'm not saying that you're yelling at them. I'm saying present Christ because Christ is hope. And most people in this world, they have so little hope. So we should have sympathy. They bring. They bring this deaf and dumb man to Christ. They had compassion on this needy man. Compassion for the needs of man is required if we're going to serve God well. No one had more compassion than God. How do we know that? For God so loved the world that He gave. You see, we need to have Sympathy. All right, so let's go to number four. So let's review. We have three things that we've covered. If I'm going to develop a servant's heart, I need to have sweat. I need to have sacrifice. I need to have sympathy. And then fourth, who did they bring these men to? They brought them unto the Lord. So what is that? That is sound judgment. Sound judgment. You know, sometimes... Somebody has a need, and there's nothing wrong with good books. I love books. Um, I miss having Pastor Bishop here, because usually whenever we get together, we talk about books. He's always, one of the first questions is, what book are you reading? And I'm like, what book are you reading? You got one for me? All right. Uh, you're going to give me one free? Um, so we're, we're always talking books because I, I love reading books. But sometimes what we do is when somebody has a problem... We say, oh, there's a book. But really, there is a book. Yeah, there is. All right, it's the book. It's Christ. So sound judgment is understanding. Get that person to Christ. That's sound judgment. That is good judgment. And sound judgment comes from being in the book and asking God for wisdom. Do you know, in the... Uh, it's in Proverbs and also in James, it tells us if any of you lack wisdom, what do we do? Study more. No, it says, let him ask of God. And what does it tell? God's up in heaven and he sees us asking and he's like, yeah, no, that guy, he needs to stay stupid. All right. Now you may think if it was me, I'd be like, yeah, let me play with him a little bit. He's really dumb. Right? I'm going to trip him. I'm going to. I'm not going to give him any wisdom. No, the Bible says that if any of you uh, lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And then it says that God, who upbraideth not, and He giveth to all men liberally, will give it to him. 
That is our God. Our God is like, you know what? He's asking. I'm going to give it to him. That's the sound judgment. See, when we come to God, God's like, I'm going to answer him. Sound judgment. The world would take the needy to everyone but Christ. And is that what they do? They do. Man, they have so many remedies out there. You can find a remedy for anything now. I mean, those of us that have lived life for a decent amount of time, you know what? Everything is a disease now. I can remember when alcohol really wasn't a disease. Most would consider it sin. But now, guess what? It's a disease. Even now, uh, overeating. I mean, I didn't realize it. I mean, I, I didn't realize it. I just can't push away. You're like, oh, you know, like, man, I just got a problem with self-control. Like, no, you don't. You got a disease. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I was thinking I got issues, you know. Um, I was thinking. Well, but guess what? That's really what the world does. The world wants to excuse it away and come up with some type of reasoning. And man, you got to have this pill or you got to have this therapy. You got to do all of this. But really what we need to do is get people to Christ. That's sound judgment. Sound judgment is how we develop a servant's heart too. But then, notice, look what it says here in verse 32 and chapter 7. It says that they bring unto him one that was deaf, had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. So, if I'm going to develop a servant's heart, I've got to be willing to sweat. I've got to be willing to sacrifice. I've got to learn to have sympathy. I've got to learn to have sound judgment. And then lastly, I've got to have supplication. So supplication. What is supplication? Supplication is simply prayer. It's another word for prayer. They beseech him. You know what? If I'm going to have a servant's heart, I've got to... There's, there's things that I need to implement in my prayer life so that I am developing a servant's heart. And part of that is through my prayer life. I've got to pray daily. You know, one of the prayers that I pray is found in Luke chapter two, uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, sorry, and verse two. I put this on my list a couple of years ago because if you study the Gospels, this is what's interesting. This is one of the only prayers that God commands us to pray. That Jesus. Now, there's other things when you study prayer as a whole. But Jesus himself, look at what he says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are, are few. Pray ye therefore. It's a command. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I prayed this this morning. Almost every day I pray this prayer because Christ said, pray ye therefore. So one of the things that I need to do is align myself in prayer according to God's idea of prayer. One of the things I pray for is, God, we need workers. Isn't that what he's saying? We need workers. So pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. Pray that I would have a right heart as a worker in his harvest. Pray also that God would send other workers into his harvest. We need it. I need to have a right heart. 
And developing a servant's heart means that I'm praying about it. I'm praying, God, today that you would help me have a servant's heart. Help me to watch out for those things that will restrict me from being a servant and having a servant's heart. You know what some of it is? That's one of the biggest factors that stops us from being a servant. Pride. John 13, remember, we read that at the beginning. Jesus is there and he puts aside those regular garments and he puts on the servant garments and he washes his disciples' feet. That's amazing to me. And who wants to wash dirty feet? But our Savior did. So is there something that in your life you're saying, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it for God. Remember, Christ was willing to do the dirtiest of deeds. And he did that. According to Hebrews, we were looking at this in our first service in Hebrews 12, because of the joy that was set before him. The joy? He endured the cross. That doesn't seem like something enjoyable. But guess what our Savior had? A servant's heart. And a servant says, God, whatever needs to be done. And God said, you know what? There's a whole race that needs saved. They can't save themselves. And Jesus said, I will sacrifice myself. I will become the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. Wow. What a Savior. So if I'm going to be like my Savior, I need to have a servant's heart. So is there some things that I say, I ain't going to do it. That's not a servant's heart. So I need to work at developing a servant's heart. How do I develop a servant's heart? I am willing to sweat. I'm willing to sacrifice. I develop sympathy for others. I have sound judgment. And then I put into practice supplication. On my part, I'm praying for God. But then also, I'm praying for others. And I'm praying for the harvest. I put on the the back of that sheet a poem that I found many years ago. And I thought it was an interesting poem. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. Real service is what I desire. I'll sing a solo any time, dear Lord, but please don't ask me to sing in the choir. I'll do what you want me to do, dear Lord. I like to see things come to pass. But don't ask me to teach girls or boys, oh Lord. I'd rather just stay in my class. I'll do what you want me to do, dear Lord. I yearn for the kingdom to thrive. I'll give you my nickels and dimes, dear Lord, but please don't ask me to tithe. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I'm busy just now with myself, dear Lord. I'll help you some other day. I pray that that's not our prayer. I pray that as we look at scriptures and we saw in Matthew 23... We saw in Mark chapter 2, we saw in Mark chapter 7, and we saw in John chapter 13 that God instructs us that if we are going to be great in the kingdom of God, we need to be servants. We need to develop a servant's heart. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless. I pray that this lesson would help us to be better servants in our own lives, in our own families, and in our church. I pray that our churches would be filled with servants that exemplify the Spirit of Christ, a Savior that went upon His knees to wash His disciples' feet and endured the horrors 
of the cross so that we could have salvation. I thank you for an example set before us in Christ. Bless this lesson. Bless the service to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.